Dude, I love Tenet so much. Uh, there's there's a scene early in Tenet where there's like a scientist explaining everything, and then she's like, "You know what? Just don't worry about it, and like yeah. it'll be easier." And it's just like, oh, I love it. Um, That's Nolan. <laughs> fucking Nolan being to the, <laughs> the audience, like, don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> like, yeah, like, they can just go backwards. Sit back and relax. But, but because that's like we're the gonna kind do of some... thing where it's like a guy who has like knows that there's complaints that his movies are too complex. Like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? <laughs> you gotta see it. It's like peak. That, that, there's that's like t- Tarantino level of chode. I think it might even surpass that. Uh, there's like, <laughs> yeah. but like, I think I've said this before, but there's different kinds of like dumb guy filmmakers. Like, uh, there are dumb guy filmmakers who make movies for dumb guys and know they're dumb guys. Like, I'd argue Fuqua and James Wan are kind of in this realm. And then yeah. there are dumb guys who think they're smart guys making movies yeah. for smart people. <laughs> but they're really making dumb movies for dumb people. And that's like your Nolans <laughs> and I'd argue even your Finchers uh, and like your eh, Michael Mann's actually smart, but like uh, he likes to go into the dumb guy vibes. Uh, but like it's Christopher Nolan is peak, peak dumb guy uh, who dumb guy thinks he's, he's a really smart, smart guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. And <laughs> it took me until I stopped being like a teenager to realize that like, Oh, these aren't these movies aren't that complicated. He's it's a great storyteller. Like I, I I enjoy Nolan, but yeah, like kind of realized that like oh I enjoy these for the dumb factor of it. But, but I, I, I thought like I was really smart for getting it. Like like Interstellar and um which is one of my all time favorites and yeah, Tenant have something in common where it's like they're making those bigger themes of like time travel and weirdness super accessible on like a a planar surface that you understand what's going on without mm-hmm. necessarily knowing the linear equation of what like with tenet it's such a strange movie to me that i can't wrap my head around because i don't understand a lot of it but it's so watchable and so engaging and that you're kind of in it even if like for me i'm not really super smart but like I was lost. Like you could ask me to recite what that movie is about or like a, a linear plot line. Mm-hmm. And I can't, but I, I, I appreciate it because it's so fucking watchable. It's, well, it's, they've got to yeah. do the backwards heist to get the space MacGuffin to save the girl, uh, <laughs> and go off the yacht. It's obnoxious. And, uh, I, love, yeah. I love it. It's like <laughs> Interstellar is, I love that movie. And I do think it's a great, like sci-fi film. I feel like, it's kind of like it's like quantum physics for dummies and then just like yeah. just mm-hmm. and then him just being like just it's enjoy the ride we'll, we'll explain it's it surface. in a way that's like sort of like, I'd like it's more, I hated the third act are, of Interstellar like, uh, but up until that point I thought it was pretty good oh dude I I loved it I, I love the third act I don't like the Matt Damon stuff is such a strange really? detour that I like probably I don't mind that I don't yeah. like the like bookshelf his, his nutso behavior Oh, the book! Oh, the bookshelf yeah. is great. Yeah. I fucking. Ha- but then you miss out on all the merch. Mind library. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's- God damn it! It's so fucking dumb. Don't let me leave, Merv. I will say sounds fucking weird. I my Which one? favorite Nolan Interstellar, Wait, Interstellar or Tenet? Yeah. Both. Have you yeah. not seen either? Interstellar is great. Oh, dude! The last Nolan movie I saw was uh, Dark Knight Rises. Hell yeah! Oh shit! Dude. Have you seen The Prestige? It- that's like one of my all-time favorite Nolan ones. That's, that's one of his earlier yeah, ones. Yeah, that that one that one comes before. That's another smart yeah. smart guy movie where he kind of has an arrogance about it too. Well, yeah, but totally. I, you can argue the same thing about Memento because it's not really that complicated when you think about it. No, the linear yeah. story is really boring, but the way he does it is interesting. Exactly. But then Insomnia is really good, but that is also a remake. Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. is it one with Pacino? Yeah. Yeah. And Robin Williams. Oh, okay. That no, I've like seen that movie. That, that one's that one's not bad actually. Yeah, yeah, that's his like third the, movie. Yeah, the, the kind or of I like, like it more uh, than the OG. The, there's like a really oppressive vibe in that movie where Pacino just isn't sleeping, and it like it's yeah. really kind of like foggy it's almost. Crampy. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Totally. And they, it's a good movie. They do it. That's also like Wally Pfister. I wish he would come back as a cinematographer because he's like such a good cinematographer. From like Insomnia until I think Interstellar, he did all of like all of his movies. Mm-hmm. And Interstellar, I like ugly cry at, and not even like 
a, a like it. standard reason. There's like one quick little part that like. Hey, sometimes that happens. Maybe hopefully you guys never watch Ozu with a movie with me because that's how it'll be. Dude, hey, this, uh, Good Morning's coming up I on might. my Criterion. Criterion, oh, I'm stoked. What's it's what's so that good. one? What's that one, uh, Terry? You were talking about uh, Tokyo on an Story. Episode. It might be that one where it's like Farts. the kid comes back, and it, it was on one of our our uh, recordings that we did together, where like the like his mom sends him to college, but she's like, "But you gotta like you gotta do it. You gotta oh, come back." And then he comes back. Uh, and he's like, "I failed it." Um, <laughs> did that, I do? That's okay? uh, that's the only son. It's it's Ozu's the first talkie from like 1934. Shit, the only that son? one. Yeah, again, sounds like a bummer, but it sounds great. It's a like, it's. Probably his first great masterpiece. I haven't seen okay. a, of the talkies. I haven't seen his, his silent stuff, but that's like just right out of the gate comes out hard. Hell yeah! Okay, this to uh, this might be really weird, guys, and you're welcome to laugh at me about this. But there were a few moments in the guilty where I cried. Yeah, I think it's because I am very susceptible to anyone else that I see cry or hear cry. I'm just. I just start going. Oh God! Jeez. I didn't so, cry, we'll but there was it. a couple of times where I teared up. That definitely happened. Yeah. Interesting. But, but again, like for like a similar like kind cry, of thing, definitely like someone up. else was, someone else was crying, and like that movie, there's a lot of tension in it, and I think it just kind of overwhelms you at a point. Yeah, I guess I maybe we should save this for the episode, actually. Be. Yep. Well, we're getting into this. Feels it. like <clears throat> some spicy stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Right. Welcome, to oh. <clears throat> Welcome to the Vulgar Welcome to the Vulgar Tours, where we... Ag- <sighs> now I've got the yips. Uh, <laughs> the yips? Welcome... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Harrison uh, Ford when he's getting <laughs> tortured? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the yips are the thing <laughs> where, like, if baseball players think about what they're doing, then they fuck up and, like, can't pitch. Yeah. Oh, they call yeah. it the okay, yips. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Baby pocket, you're perfect. Welcome... <laughs> all right welcome to the vulgar sorry Tours. i'm the only one who didn't interrupt you sorry okay Continue. <laughs> jason you are a diabolical it would have bothered me it would have bothered me <laughs> i'm so sorry paco it's the most perfect uh, thing okay all right Welcome to the Tours, where we explore the filmographies of genre filmmakers. Uh, we are currently in the midst of a series on the films of Edgar Wright, but we are taking a break this week to talk about one of our previous directors' newly released movies. That's Antoine Fuqua's new film, The Guilty, which is a remake of a, a European movie from three years ago, uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and written by Nick... Pizzolato from True Detective fame. I'm Paco. I'm Jason. I'm Terry. And I'm Evan. So, I guess to start off, has anyone seen the original uh, besides me? Just just you, I think. No. Alright. Um, it is... Shot for shot? It's not quite shot for shot. Like, the one thing I think Fuqua really does to sort of try to attempt to justify this remake, which I don't think deserves to be like, there's no reason for this movie to it's exist. It's too recent too. Oh, okay. Like yeah. the movie, just to, just to credit, it was uh, a movie co-written and directed by Gustav Moller or Muller um, was the original Danish film, the guilty, which also I'm sure the police, culture in uh denmark is is probably different than here, oh yeah i'm, I'm sure the, I feel like... the police are only an issue in america uh, <laughs> as far as i know the danes are pretty you know even keeled you know but wait so you don't um, think that having a remake for the american audience is a, just a little bit like relevant or not like, really because worth worthwhile I mean, for us of, i, of I the think time, if we're praising it on if the we're fucking... praising it on those merits, I don't think it engages with any like pertinent topics in that regard. I, th- I think Paco's actually right. Like, hey, that's one for well, me. 
No, but I'm just saying like we, we, <laughs> to yourself. we, we <laughs> just we just had the largest sustained protest in US history about police brutality and this movie mm-hmm. barely addresses it. Oh, like, of and like, I'm not saying that it's really saying much, but I, I don't know. I, it just felt like to me like, oh, it's wow, they're they're bold enough to bring this over to America. I don't know. I do well, think yeah. it paints the it paints the police in a very ambiguous light to me. I wasn't sure if Fuqua was saying that like hey cops can can kind of suck at their jobs and oh look at this or if he's just being like nah you know give him a break you know the job's tough i think well, it's like, more the latter i, I think, think it's more the i think that's the energy he brings middle, to it like a tiny uh bit. the original i think is more clearly like hey this cop is like you're supposed to sympathize with him but he's like the villain of this movie like yeah uh, and it plays that better like if he wasn't so hot tempered if he wasn't so quick to rush to judgment if he wasn't doing all the things that got him in the call center in the first place some of the mistakes he made would not have been made and it wouldn't have been a movie but like you're you're really selling me on the original now well but the thing is that like the text is all the same i don't think there's much that's changed i think uh, like watching this one, I got the same thing. Like Jake Gyllenhaal is a bad cop in this movie and he's bad at his job and he doesn't ask decent questions that well, would have so, solved well, this a lot faster. Well, no, but I, I think you're right. The text moron. is the same, but, but the like framing is not though. Like we're kind of supposed to empathize in like a real way with Jake Gyllenhaal's character. But that's, like, uh, that's also true in the original. I want to be clear about that. Like, well, but, but, but you said yeah. that the guy, like that the cop was the, was like kind of ostensibly the villain. That's not true here. Jake Gyllenhaal well, is I would no argue, way the villain. I would I, argue I he's still the villain in this one. I think that's very subjective though. Isn't that more yeah. just like from our perspective, we're like, yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is a fucking shitty cop and that's what got him into the position he is. And he's still being incredibly judgmental no, but, and hot tempered. I think, I mean, but I some think people you should might read it, it that as way. like, oh, he, what a hero. You know, I want to tell that person off too on the call. But the 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 lens that it's going through, like I I call this like loosely the rede- like the last part of the redemption, the cop redemption rehab trilogy that, that Fuqua has, where between mm-hmm. Training Day, Brooklyn's Finest and this one, it's you're seeing oh. cops go above and beyond uh, the needs of the few outweigh the needs of the many to go above and beyond to do what they think is right versus the objective. I like, would maybe this very, is, but, very much dispute that's the case but, with Training Day. But no, but uh, well, I, I just mean, uh, well, with Denzel, Denzel's character is, is kind of complicated, but the uh, with this one, the like strange, like. Uh, so Gyllenhaal plays Joe Baylor, who is like, okay, we can interpret by all of the whatever that he he did something wrong. He's kind of has this new um, job while he's waiting for a court date that's tomorrow that could maybe possibly send him to prison for doing something. He murdered something. a kid. He no, did but yeah. something wrong. But at this, <laughs> no, 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 no. By timeline, I, I just mean, speaking. I mean in the, yeah. in the oh, yeah. context of the movie, yeah. like we're slowly revealing parts of what he did and stuff, but it's also, almost uh, like... Sorry, but I guess we should say now spoilers throughout. Yo, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally. Shut it off right now oh, if you haven't seen the guilty. Well, like Gyllenhaal Hall answers answers a call <laughs> and then fo- hyper focuses on it and obsesses over it and does everything that he can to get his way or to you know, like there. There's something really. Uh, it's like even when cops are down on their luck, they're still just trying to be the heroes that they are. When really, ultimately, it's also seems like a fantasy movie from Fuqua's perspective of like, uh, at the eleventh hour, he's gonna this person who's facing prison is gonna make the right decision after this to face the consequences of his actions and to actually hold himself that's accountable. Or like, also. That's, in the original movie, although I don't think it's quite as spelled out. I saw the original I, like a month ago, uh, so it's not super clear in my mind. But he does do that same thing. But um, I honestly still don't see it as being necessarily uh, like looking at him as a hero. Because like we learned he's a killer. We learn or like we see how he I treats- just mean the lens 
like the way no, that no, he's the, framing it but is, we when see I agree it, with yes, you. Like, but it, I'm saying Paco that's what I sure. think is kind of interesting about both yeah. of these. And I don't think either is a very good movie, uh, but I would argue they're kind of subversive because they take that framework of the cop, you know, doing anything to do is like get the job done, solve the case. And Bad like, for life. he's an abusive asshole to his coworkers. Like, and he tells like a guy ODing on drugs, like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And like, doesn't help him. Uh, like, it's just nonstop. He's fake he's, with his yeah. ex, like calling his ex at like two in the morning and then having this like shallow conversation with her ultimately just to get what he wants. Like he's an but, abusive every but, little. But, but I guess I, I don't. So here's my beef with that uh, characterization is so like, I think that this is like a sort of classical kind of narrative. Like, like we see Mel Gibson in like Lethal Weapon. Like he has a lot of these same traits and he's fucking unhinged. But he's he's like unambiguously the hero of the movie, and I think that because of the way that this movie ends, I think no matter like what is sort of being discussed in the uh, the like middle parts, you're supposed to see him like you know doing the right thing. Like it, it makes up for the past wrongs because he's finally learned. It's like maybe he was a shithead, but I don't think that it's specifically meant to see him as a villain. Yeah, I get, I would classify him more as an anti-hero, but. Yeah, I would say okay. he's I can probably the that. closest the movie has to a villain. Um, and there's yeah, like, someone I, who tried to murder a child in this movie. Um, I, <laughs> but I, I think I, I think that it's just an excuse. Like there's even one of the, like in again, I really enjoyed this movie, but there's a bunch about it that I, I was just like the line broken people sometimes save broken people. It's yeah. so forgiving. Dude. Of, like the police in a way exactly. that like I don't agree with Fuck whatsoever. that part when I that mean, part like, happened but but that's what I'm saying again. that's the part where it seems to me like you're supposed to like kind of empathize with Jake Gyllenhaal and it's and, unambiguously and so. that sucks on the Given, human condition level of course that sucks and I'm sorry that like you're dealing with this and I'm seeing your side of possibly doing well doing well, it, something it's, awful to get it, it's it's saying know. that the ends justify the means like that's what it's saying yeah fucking the, yeah. the biggest change this movie made from the original is the mom in the original killed her baby. There's no question Which about it. would have been way better in um, this movie. And I agree. Did you say there know. was a reshoot where, like, they changed the ending to have the, like, oh, the baby survived. Dude, thing at the which end. is just, among other things, fucking dumb. Because if you chop a baby up with a knife and leave it alone for, oh. like... Come six on. hours yeah like um yeah uh, honestly yeah. i i this this is a hot take but i thought the entire movie was an elaborate setup by the fbi to coerce a confession because he confesses oh, what he did that's a hot take. and i i genuinely was like holy shit like that would have been so fucking awesome. Like his coworker, who is like yelled at the whole time, just comes back in and flashes like an FBI badge. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, "This like, is FBI agent Emily Stanton. We have your oh, dude. record now. Thank you for your yeah." Like, I I thought it was going in that direction until there was the cherry slurpy remark, or, or I don't know. It's just like <laughs> the aquarium mm-hmm. conversation, kind of. What's so bad about cherry Slurpees? Well, like it's not it's not a favorite food. It's not a food. (laughs) You have this. Okay, we're guessing maybe twenties, thirties. A person who's a mother whose favorite food is cherry Slurpees. I don't want to rush to judgments. The way she was talking too is kind of like. Well, it was almost not just the cherry Slurpee. It's the way she says it. I I took it as trashy, but. Yeah, but, right. I took it was weird. but she doesn't say it with enough conviction. It's more like ah, cherry slurpees and going to the aquarium, and you're like ah, she's a little out of it. And but um, is that before or after she choice. was in the car accident? Because uh, that's, a good that's after remember. she's in the car accident. No, that's right? that's in the back no, crying? that's before because yeah, she, because I'm pretty sure okay, she's in mind. the back when she's talking to him. Yeah, so he's I talking just, to her, trying to convince her shit, to right. hit him with the brick. So it's like yeah, but that's after she's crashed the car. Yeah, so, she crashes like, the car at, and then she gets put in the bag. At that point, I'm like, okay, she's had one hell of a day. Concussed. Like, I'm yeah. out of it for a lot less than I'd that. I crave Slurpees. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, after something, like I mean, that, it's, it's just like I would definitely say my favorite food was beer. At that point, if the cop <laughs> asked me that, I would be like, <laughs> "Fuck a fucking Jack and Daniels right now." 
Specifically mm-hmm. imitation crab. <laughs> <laughs> Seafood from Safeway. But no, Stinky I, I tofu, think you are. But it has to be from Taipei. <laughs> no, I, I think you are right to point out, though, Jay, that like there are some kind of foreshadowing uh, events in the movie, and I mean, I don't think everyone would catch it. Uh, but it is telegraphed a little bit. But I think that's testament to some of the performances that you don't really, or that somebody who wasn't like on the lookout wouldn't see it coming necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I didn't see it coming. It's it's also like something valid that is brought up with this movie. And and again, I'm just going off of like how I felt. Um, welcome to the podcast. But uh, I think that it examines the burnout of law enforcement too in a in an interesting way where it's just like imagine like this was shot uh like in 11 days Antoine Fuqua was like in uh like a van uh directing and the whole shoot for the most part um isolated because of like a possible COVID-19 uh uh you know exposure that that he sustained so like the movie is ostensibly like Jake Gyllenhaal in a room emoting and talking to people on the phone like Frasier where there's like like little cameos popping up where you're really focusing in on this one location in this way that's interesting to kind of show the different sides of like he's apparently in a call center a dispatch place that's like a graveyard shift and he's the loudest person he's the only one who seems to be totally invested he's like it's showing all these protocols being tested. Like when he's trying to get his Sarge, who's played by um, Ethan Hawke, another collaboration, which I think is like his fourth. This is his second, his second collaboration with Jake Gyllenhaal and his fourth, I think with Ethan Hawke, but like trying to go above or, or, or kind of find loopholes in the procedure, the way that you should be doing things by the book or whatever in order to like the means to an end. And that's ultimately what, brought him there in the first place of like killing that killing that person yeah. well, like so yeah, I, it's I just was, an i was wondering though way. i don't know oh sorry no i, I didn't mean to interrupt mm. you um the the events where his ears were ringing i was reading that as ptsd symptoms mm. did oh. either, any of you get that no but that makes was, sense yeah that would i viewed sense. it more as just like stress yeah, um, I mean, I, I could I... see it as stress, but I took it as PTSD, and then it, that's why it helped to explain, at least to me, a lot of his, like, really erratic and kind of aggressive behavior. Well, he was also... Well, that, he, he's... he's a cop. Well, but a lot of cops have PTSD because they're... And then they act that way. Oh, did they touch some fentanyl? The the wor- the first yeah, time right. that we're introduced to him, though, he's having an asthma attack, or he's taking albuterol, mm-hmm. and... Then he takes it maybe That's one other true. time. And as the movie's continuing, he's talking, he's getting winded, he's getting really worked up, and he's not using the albuterol inhaler. So I took that as like at the end of the movie, when he goes back to the bathroom, he's like his makeup is all like he looks disheveled. That I, I he looks that like as shit more of like in that movie. Like he's, his, he's his eyes are all red. Like he looks like he hasn't slept. Yeah, like, like they did a really good he, job with that. He looks like he's been deprived of oxygen in a way yeah. that he's yeah, not taking his medicine. Oxygen. He's, he's he, not thinking like, straight. And you're only yeah. supposed to do like something like eight puffs of albuterol in a 24 hour period. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. So like, he's I just think like he, ODing he on just that had shit. To pace yeah. it. It's a steroid, I mean, you know. So maybe it's, it's them all, uh, twelve yeah. because I know I I'm not supposed to do more than four within a four hour window. Uh, because as someone who has a albuterol and someone who has lived through forest fires and Chinese smog, like it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're really tempted to go to like five or six on it, but yeah, that's what I was thinking uh, too. It's with the fires and everything. Oh, which I mm-hmm. I love that as the setting. Like Paco, I do too. is that the setting in the original movie too? I mean, it's set in northern Europe. You said Denmark. Yeah, Where's Danish? Denmark. Yeah, Danish is Denmark, Denmark right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they don't they don't have fires. That's just like oh, an, gotcha. Uh, I mean, they might climate change or whatnot i just always think of them as snow and ice and vikings um (laughs) but i i i I kind of i love that because the the setting of having it be a huge fire that's taking over la which in this past couple of years they they have sustained really bad fires that are super scary Mm -hmm. um so that it's it's building up this tension of the outside world 
And it's the emphasis that they're using their budget, they're using their location and the restrictions of COVID-19 to shoot a movie in one location where I think it only cuts to like uh, the outside, like like of, of the cop car pulling over the first van once. And the rest of it is you don't see who's, yeah. who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it makes it almost like like a uh, disaster movie like Dante's Peak. Hear me out. Where it's just like there's so much shit going on where the authorities, no matter who you, who he calls like the police, the CHP dispatch officer, all these people, like they have their hands full with so many other things that are going on that it's Mm -hmm. like, how do you prioritize like that frenzy, that emergency separate from like, I love. And I think that's smart because we give our cops so much money. Like they have enough resources that in a non fire emergency situation i don't think they'd be stretched in the same way they are in the original danish one yeah uh, it absolutely creates tension here well and there's like but, this sort of apocalyptic vibe like every like the whole state is on fire like but budget yeah. also doesn't necessarily mean proper training and protocols and all that stuff too because it's like yeah but it have means we funding, have but... butts and seats like uh in the original uh you know there's like six people for this whole state when he's trying to talk to the other one. And when he's talking to California Highway Patrol, there's no fucking way that outside of L.A. they don't have, like, you know, 50 or whatever cops. Oh, like, someone could be heading down 10 from yeah. the other direction. I would from... be willing to bet that there are more cops in L.A. than the standing RV of, of a few small countries. Oh, yeah, no question. Um, <laughs> I guess one of my frustrations with this movie is... And it kind of makes sense because of COVID, but a lot of other productions figured out ways around it. Uh, I just don't find one location, one actor movies particularly compelling. Like, uh, Does the Danish I movie think, do it that way? Yeah, and I, I'm not a huge fan of the Danish one either. I think it's okay. a hell of a lot better than this one, uh, oh. which I'm I'm not a fan of. Uh, <laughs> fucking kill the goddamn baby like that took it clip from that, a three star that. to a one and a half star <laughs> clip that, <laughs> clip that, that for the yeah. review yeah. Is, uh... but just I, have have the balls to like show how fucked up this lady is really like by not having the baby die it's just like Hollywood bullshit I don't like it like, yeah I felt that way too it, it it doesn't like through the course of the movie it doesn't change how he's still trying to help her because like I do like that that's how he's grown and he's trying to protect this woman who killed but, an innocent but I think just that's like a, he did. I think that's another one of those moments though where they're trying to explain that his ends justified the means. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's making excuses. So he yells <laughs> exactly. at everyone around True. him. His supervisor yells at his yes, his so. coworker. He, he yells at, but yet when he's trying to help this person on the phone who's who needs help, then he has all the patience in the world that he doesn't show to anyone else. It's, well, it's showing then, inexplicably you know, like, he ends up saving the baby as well. Like you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah, all, it's which like, is at the, dog shit. I love in the original. In the original, he tells the girl to go in and like snuggle her brother i think i think it's he's more like well uh, no, he says that in this one too but she doesn't No, he says do it. don't wake her up or don't oh, wake okay, him up yeah yeah uh, but he said he does say to go into the room and like find exactly. your brother just be quiet abby yeah. should have like, just been like there's snakes him. in there though uh, yeah. <laughs> so does that I, mean I, in the danish one like the the kid goes into the room and then snuggles up with her bloody baby brother yeah she said something That's like he implied. was crying earlier uh, and he's like, oh, well, go cheer him up. Like, go, you know, go try to, like, cradle him or something. I it, Again, it's been over a month since I've seen it, so I don't want to misrepresent it if that's not it, but that's how I remember it. And, of course, the baby stays dead in that one. And so, like, he's not a hero. He's someone sense. who fucking traumatized a little girl because he's a dipshit yeah. who's bad go, at his go job. Go see your brother and put him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess this is sort of like the sort of like the perceived squeamishness of American audiences where two dead children in a movie is too many, so they had to save one at the end here, you know what I mean? But there's no dead children. This No, he killed the kid, the other kid. But the other kid was 19, that's that more like count. a teenager. 
Well, but regardless... <laughs> Americans don't care about teenagers. <laughs> but I mean, this is kind of... And again, like, I like this movie quite a bit more than you did, Paco, but like, at the end, the CHP dispatcher is like, good job, Baylor. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you're endorsing this behavior, like, exactly. this entire movie... All these law enforcement officials are trying to be cold and objective and not invested personally into this to try and do the best work that they can, ideally, to maintain accuracy and like objectivity. Mm-hmm. And he he doesn't have any boundaries. He he just needs to transfer the call. Like he's not just gonna transfer the calls and trust the person on the other line will do their job, or he's it's just like he goes above and beyond to micromanage and yell at everyone and be abusive towards all of his coworkers that to have the CHP dispatcher go like, good job. You saved a life. It's like, it didn't feel that it was fair that he deserved that credit. And I do really enjoy this movie, but there's these just strange little things that, that hit me in in a, in a way that I, I wasn't like comfortable with. And maybe that is the past couple of years of like this redemption that in this conscience for some of these people in these power, um, different, you know, the, these uh, roles that that doesn't sit well with me, and and if you quad yeah, just can, can be slid, they yeah, can, it's it's a they can yeah. get away with this stuff, yeah, yeah, and he's like, he's a piece of shit, dirty cop, like he's he is a self-admitted fucking murderer of an innocent person. Like and the hope well, is that he says that he's he... reformed at the end. No, like, but that's like, Oh, maybe he's turned to leaf, even though, well, but he also says he wanted to punish the kid too, which implies it was like, uh, like entirely he's arbitrary. Sadistic. Murder. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, like he's a sadistic the, prick. At the end of the day, he's still selfish in the fact that like all of the events that occur with children being put in danger, all stem from also that he left a voicemail for his kiddo that he wanted to talk to that it's like that's feeding all of this too of like all these there is a weird sort of like pathologization of his behavior in this movie right like it's strange so it's like are you doing this like are you doing this out of the like yeah it just is all kind of inappropriate uh i don't know it's it's also but but you're right no go ahead yeah no terry go on please no no because I was, I was going to ask, what the fuck happened to Henry, who sustained multiple injuries, potentially, yeah. because of J- Gyllenhaal's actions? Yeah. Okay, get seriously. him in a car crash, have Dude, his ex-wife his... hit him over the head with a thing, and then he's like, I don't know what the fuck to do, man. I'm just, I gotta hang up. And you're like, okay, what the fuck happened to Henry? Also, his, his brother-in-law in a ditch. Were there Nobody any cares. other people injured in that car crash that she caused? She's on the fucking interstate. Yeah, she goes, slams on the brakes. And... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <That's... laughs> yeah, uh... that's what I'm saying. He's a piece of shit. But that's but that's like, the thing he... is his impatience and his uh, yeah. rashness to just get to action. And we just have to do this. We have to do that without having all the information. Sums up exactly one of the reasons why the he's police... a bad cop. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it really, like, that is fascinating because I think that Fuqua plays with the idea of, like, do we view this person as a villain or do we view them through a lens that I'm sympathizing with? When really, like, I don't, like, I think that is what makes Fuqua such an interesting filmmaker is, like, he does grapple with that. And I, like, I genuinely I don't think he grapples think... with it that hard, though. Always. I don't think he grapples with it enough. And I will say, I think the fundamental issue with this movie is I think Jake Gyllenhaal is incredibly miscast here. You think? I actually think he did a really good job in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did a really good job, but I feel like... You want a Denzel in there? Because I'm on board, but I'm just saying, who would you <laughs> would rather have? Who the, you know how, who I'd actually have? Yeah, butt? who would you rather put have? Put the butt that, in there. Jerry uh, Butler? Dude, uh, Jerry Gerard Butler. <laughs> they oh, worked together just, on fucking... Oh, they they dude, worked on Olympus Has Fallen. Can you imagine, like, if, if he if he was the guy on the fucking phone? Oh, my God. Dude, you're just, just imagining rock bottom. Aquarium talk you, getting out of there. Like, rock like, bottom I, should be on the list for Jerry Butler archetypes. Like, he could yeah, totally play this. But I just, that's... Jake, I don't buy Jake Gyllenhaal's at his rock bottom. Like, he's too clean cut. <laughs> he's too perfect. You, you, would, need that, you need that whiskey bloat. You need the whiskey bloat that, like, Butler and <laughs> fucking Russell Crowe both have. 
In fact, Russell Crowe... He's Crow, hit his dog at one point. Russell like, he's Crow definitely already not fit played, his cat for a night. Russell Crowe already played a hot-tempered cop, so it would yeah, be Russell like Crow in his wheelhouse to come back. And he yeah, Russell Crowe's also a yeah. great actor. He, he could have emoted. <laughs> yes. Like, I feel like... Gyllenhaal is doing this weird thing where he's like got such high tension, but he's also underplaying a lot of it and no, then but, like snapping. But, um, I just, I don't know. I found him and I like him in a lot of stuff. I think he had similar energy in Southpaw, which really worked. But for some reason, yeah, I just don't think he sells the character. And it, it sucks because the whole movie is on him. Uh, yeah, I, I just want I, someone I, who's more I, of a fuck up, you know, dude, you know, who would have been great, though, Bill Burr, because I was just waiting for Jake Gyllenhaal when like, you know, Emily is like hysterically crying and like he's like trying to calm her down. I was just waiting for like mm-hmm. his Bill Burr to come out and be like, hey, shut the fuck up. All right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> or uh. even Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke might be a little old for it now, but like, well, Ethan so Hawke's played Crow, some good but... fuck ups. Yeah, Dude, yeah, like, but and he Ethan Hawke, like, like his character from Brooklyn's Finest, where he's just like super skinny and like smoking cigarettes, like chain smoking, yeah. like exactly. Yeah. That's that's how Gyllenhaal sells the like. I really love the stuff with his partner. Like one of my favorite lines in this, one of my favorite parts in this movie is, is "We should like, get a beer." What, you've had you've had one to two drinks. Oh, okay, cool. You're okay to drive. You just sound off. You're supposed to testify tomorrow. Oh, you just had one. Oh, you're totally good to drive. Drive over yeah. here and kick in this dude's door. I'm yeah, like, I know. In, in the original movie, Rocks. it's five drinks. Uh, he's, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, you shouldn't have done that, but I need you there. Like, you've got to go do it. Like, See, that's way easier, though. I wish they would have yeah. kept it like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that heart like the bo- like he's boiling over it really is such a pot boiler because he's like when he does freak out of like i think it is on bill bar where he's like you're not the victim you should be executed or is that the no, one no, where he's, he's like fuck he says that me? To, fuck to, me to peter sarsgaard yeah but yeah, uh, gotcha. yeah when he get but he does blow up with like the uh, the nightclub owner who's like yeah the the uh what was it the the, the the, the doorman started attacking but, everybody. But that's same thing. That's he's like the, instead of handling the situation, he's like he's like I don't have time for this. Shut the fuck up. No, you fuck you. But that's, fuck me. And like, like yeah, he just assumes that guy who f- had like a bike accident was drunk. And like yeah, no, and like, totally it's fine. also <laughs> drunk assholes. Who is yeah. he to interpret what is urgent and not urgent of his current? thing that he's working on where he's not thinking about anything and he has tunnel vision when it's like Mm -hmm. if that is the case someone's life could be in danger too and why does why is that more important than this and it's in this era where we're tracking as a society um the tragic death of a of a younger uh white woman whereas so many different marginalized groups have people disappear from them every day that we don't give a shit about that was what made this movie interesting to me in american like i feel like that was one of the many problems with his character that made it engaging to me it was like who are you to dictate and be the the judge of whether or not this is an emergency moreover than that one and it like that's that's mm-hmm. kind of the hard thing that I've been thinking about more uh, as the days have passed of like why I think this movie is is so critical and, and interesting in Fuqua's work. I wish I liked it more. I, well, I'm glad you don't. Maybe if you hadn't seen the original before it, yeah. you would have been well, a little different. I, I didn't like the yeah, original either, though. No, uh, I know, but you but you you can't all but compare it, and none of us have seen the original. We all liked it. I, I mean, and I you said the original that, is like better. I the original is to by you. far a better movie. Like yeah, I would it's hard argue to not like is, separate. Yeah. There's no reason for this movie to have been remade. Uh Paco, like, did you think that Gyllenhaal's performance was phoned in? <laughs> 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 God damn it. God damn you. Because <laughs> um, I would say Peter Sarsgaard too. I don't want to get to saving face too soon, but I stars. think his was for sure phoned in. I'm no, pretty sure. I, yeah, I, no, I would I say almost okay. everyone <laughs> was phoning their performance in right. on this one. That's yeah, let's run it into the ground. People. Yeah, <laughs> you guys. Paul Dano for still. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but five. No, I totally agree. Jason. Still, though, you uh, that that 
uh, it didn't need to be remade. And it especially didn't need seeing Joan Hall's comments like, oh, I thought that uh, bringing this to America and like changing that context would like really resonate with audiences or something to that effect. And it just like, I don't feel any of that. I really don't. It, hmm. it didn't. And I think all the changes they made made it less of a hard hitting gut punch, which the first movie is, I feel like in both cases, they get a little contrived and like really working to make those twists work. Uh, but I would say the production design and the direction overall is better. Uh, but still the original movie is better because the script is better and doesn't have dog shit ending and uh has a little bit more nuance to it and like i did love the hollywood production value and you know some of the more well how much did you think this cost like i, I saw find it was a budget something it's a stupid uh it was like way more than it should have been uh i believe that yeah that's surprising I totally um, believe like that. 50 million <laughs> I think that's the number I saw, but I can't find but where like, I saw that. What would you that. spin that on? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, Jake makeup. Daily COVID testing. Daily COVID testing. You've got to start everyone uh, in a bubble. Like, well, they, they were also shooting in, like, didn't you say they, they had to have, like, security in the van? wildfire area, too, or COVID something? It was COVID protocols, yeah. too. Oh, shit, I'm yeah. sure go into a bunch of yeah. budgeting for, for things. But still, it shouldn't it shouldn't have been that much money but they also probably if they shot that whole movie in 11 days those must have been long days <sighs> Dude. um so but i also like not to go to bat for gyllenhaal too much but that's where i was really impressed was like what i think about when i think of like one location movies or like one actor in a phone booth or something like you know like phone booth like is like booth. i'm i'm thinking about like the dynamic uh, ability of an actor the same way that this kind of feels like a uh, like a one-man play or like a one-person play i mean where it's like when you see live theater you see a, an actor who has to sell this alone like with the collaboration of like all these other departments of course but like it's really um on uh gyllenhaal to sell this movie and to take us out of this little space uh you know this call center like that i think that he did a really good job with that and and i uh i think it it expanded the whole world outside that call center uh and and especially yeah absolutely um evan you were talking about your enjoyment of the sound design and that was something i really enjoyed about the movie too like all of the foley's uh and all of like the people calling in like sarsgard and like it's it sounds how it immersed into your ears exactly and like, but it's... also was able to be like again like the this is where i think it's you got to give props to the sound mixing department because they were able to incorporate the sound from the phone call and from like the diegetic sounds that are coming from jake gyllenhaal's like his you know the office the entire place there and mixing it so well that there isn't just like this weird juxtaposition that your ears are trying to make between the two you're yeah. immersed in it but it still sounds like it's coming through like a phone receiver it's yeah well and it's amazing. it's pretty it's astounding. creating like it's creating texture uh to like the backgrounds and all these subtle differences that makes each call feel less like more authentic and like i liken it to fraser mm-hmm. Because every, almost every episode of Frasier, the it starts with like him on the radio show and like a celebrity calling in, and you're like, "Who is that? Is that Michael J. Fox or is that Eric Stoltz or yeah. who is that?" And they're just playing but, a character. Yeah, like, but it feels like, oh, this is like the SNL, like this is the Injo, like which I love, of course. Mm. I'm a big Frasier fan, but yeah. like, oh, that's a celebrity, and that's what I liked about this. It is it doesn't feel like Sarsgaard is playing Animal Crossing while he's like uh, on the phone. Like he feels like he's on location on the other end of that call, explaining yeah, as what's if going shooting on. Shooting that scene and like the fear yeah. that is in her Emily's voice. Like there are so many like interesting things that that make it different than just like oh my gosh, eye rolling. He's really not talking to anyone on that phone and blah blah blah. Like I I like that. Well, and I think there's even a few moments too that help to reinforce that like kind of illusion as well. Where like uh, before he goes into the little room, when he's like having really intense conversations, uh, the guy next to him out of focus, you can see him like turn and look at him. Yeah, and yeah, and he yeah. does that a lot, yeah. and so it gives this sense that 
like Jake Gyllenhaal isn't the only character. Even though you can't, even though they're literally out of focus, you can still see what they're doing. You know that he's in a room. You know that he's like being with watched. other yeah. people. Yeah, but he doesn't mm-hmm. give a shit, and he no. just wants his yeah. things are more important. And so, whereas everyone is probably silently doing their tasks and like answering the phones and quietly dispatching it to the the proper you know places yeah. or whatever, he's the one being the stick in the mud. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like he's yep. <laughs> mind your own fucking business, Manny. No, <laughs> exactly. I, it's I I I really do appreciate that. Where that it how well they separate him from like. It being like okay this like you said jason he's like the stick in the mud he is there's no one else like him and here's a reason why his character is interesting at this point but also why he's the focus and also why you consider him such an asshole because everybody else is doing their fucking job probably has similar if not worse calls than he's been getting like they also well, but i also think that that they're all acting he, very calmly he thinks that he's better than them as work. well though oh he's totally, been yeah. demoted he's from, yeah, like they do this but for a living. He's like, I'm a fucking cop on the street. Exactly. Like, well, it's also yeah. it, it's it's framing him in a certain light too, you know, to to show that like he's heroic and doing X, Y, and Z. Like it's it's really he's doing real cop work on the dispatch yeah. line, which is which is like actually yeah. not what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, that, you're supposed yeah. to give that <laughs> to the cops. Leave that France to the cops. Calls. <laughs> which which yeah. I, I isn't that what Ethan Hawke says? He's like, this isn't your job. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I um I do want to say I I do like Gyllenhaal in this because I do I do want to you got to give him props or you got to give any actor in this situation props for being able to actually give a convincing role where most of the time they're not talking to a direct actor they're talking mm-hmm. to re- on the phone I don't know how they record those things or like if they just actually have like the like pre-recorded audio or if they actually have somebody call into like a working phone that they have so on set. So typically what they'll do is they have someone on set. They have someone on set who's off camera who will read opposite oh, them. Like the script uh, okay. supervisor or someone who's Yeah, and, like, it's typically not an actor. Um Okay, so they're not like he's not hearing how the actors are emoting. These things. And I but don't know how so that ha- how that works during COVID time. Yeah, he might have had yeah, to must... act off nothing more than normal. Which then you got to give him props because he's fucking great at acting off of almost nothing, and he does it very convincingly. And you, it at least to me, it felt like he was really in a real conversation on the. Phone Here's with what these I people, would do if I was Fuqua, and I don't know if this is how he did it. But if I was a director in this situation, and Fuqua seems creative enough, he might have done that. Given the circumstances here, I might have recorded all the other conversations first, right. directed the vocal performances, uh, yeah. and then played those so that Jake can work that's, off of that. that, yeah, that that's um, what that's I was what I thought picturing. Maybe he would do, like through the receiver even, so that... But I don't know how that that's, would work with well, and especially if you're lead who has like to that. do most of the movie on his own, like that would make so much sense. That's typically not how it's done, but in a movie like this, in these situations, I think it could happen, and I think it would make a lot it might of have sense. Been easier. Like Sarsgaard yeah. is married to his sister, so this is kind of something they would talk like around the dinner table and stuff. Anyway, you know? oh, Sarsgaard is married to his sister. Yeah. Maggie yeah, Gyllenhaal. His sister, yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal, the oh, director, okay. the actor. Okay. He's got to be a sister. sister. I think you, yeah. you confused <laughs> both Evan and myself. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I wasn't confused. Like, <laughs> I saw that you two were. Peter Sarsgaard's sister. No, we thought Jason no. was saying Skarsgård was married to Skarsgård's sister. his sister. Yeah. Like, I mean, that would be super cut for Danish film, you know what I mean? That's super. Oh, yeah, that's exactly how I know not what I do. Sorry. I did get confused. Yep. But, yeah. That would be crazy if I just had a bunch of incest uh, trivia. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know who's married to their own? Just so you know. Have you guys heard about Woody Allen? (laughs) (laughs) That was his daughter. Stepdad. Adopted. adopted. (laughs) Like, that makes it sad. It's not funny. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, Woody, I, fuck I, you, Woody I, Allen. I, I'm really sorry. She, Which speaking I, speaking of, speaking of <laughs> not funny, face, Woody Allen's career. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so saving face, get us yeah, out of this hole I've face. dug us into. 
I'm not yeah, Jane Manhattan. That's a Woody Allen film, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Saving us. I guess I'll start. I've got to go with Riley Keough. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Keough. Yep. Um, she, I think, does the most convincing vocal performance of the movie which as we discussed is pretty hard to do like you're you're working with nothing you're just in that booth and uh she's not typically a voice actress and uh she killed it in this i think she was even better in zola from earlier this year which uh that's like if harmony corinne directed a twitter thread Mm -hmm. um it is fucking bonkers highly recommended um yeah i mean yeah, she's she's great in the I, lodge too like she I, that's her movie like she's so good in it too i totally didn't know she was in the lodge i thought that yeah, was that, I didn't either. that chick from luther um that woman from luther um uh like lufa like luther lufa. luther like yeah. idris yeah mr elba um uh, I'm pretty sure it's Riley Keough. Like she's she's really no, it, good. In I, it. I looked it up. It, it says Riley Keough. Yeah. Huh. Oh, and Richard I, and Richard I, Armitage as well. Weird. I I do I, I do agree. Uh, like I think that uh, she's really good in the way that mental health is presented. Like spoilers, obviously, but like she's the one who cut her baby, thinking that. Uh, she had she was helping her child by removing the snakes Mm -hmm. and it's kind of slippery slope because it's framing mental health in a way that a dangerous light like there's no anti like she's a fucking schizo and doing all of these like weird blaming and it seems trauma informed in a in a way that I, I was interested with and her performance and because I am going off of with you Paco like as much as I really like Gyllenhaal um, I think that she's amazing. Like she really sells the fright, like mm-hmm. during the initial call of being on the phone and him talking back and forth, the fact they were in separate rooms recorded different days, the pulse through those calls, those yeah. initial calls are really amazing. And, and even in the later calls, like when she's at the overpass, it's not treated in a way to frame the mental illness as like, something that's just improper or feels bad, like exploitative or misinformed or shitty. Like she really does a great job that, that I totally shout out to. Yeah. Agreed. It it doesn't. Yeah. Well, you said Jason. Yeah. I, 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 mm-hmm. I did appreciate that too. Her portrayal of like mental illness of not being like the, not playing a quote unquote bat shit like crazy person it's somebody who is suffering from a debilitating mental illness that they were being treated for and i mean she's a victim as well and i'm not trying to victimize her but i'm just saying like everything that happened it's it's sad what happened to that family that we have the front row seat for it's sad what happens to her husband it's sad what happens to her and her children see the the one part where i think fuqua is is doing some editorializing here is the part where uh, the fact that she was unmedicated is because they didn't have enough money to afford the medication, which I yeah. think is yeah. like a yeah. like gotcha. a key a key part of that whole yeah. tragedy. It stems from the like. I will tell you conditions. that's not in the Danish one. <laughs> well, no, and that's, and, and that's I, also, but I think that actually real. does resonate with an American audience. I, I think that's yeah. the part where Fuqua is really coming up and saying, "Look, like this mm. tragedy was largely preventable." Whatever his commentary about the police system, that one is pretty raw. And and it's yeah, it's also just point. like the person that maybe you see on your way to work every day who is escalated and going through a lot of things. They're also yeah. a person too, and mm-hmm. it's it's also showing that this person, even if they did something really awful, obviously, the redemption of her child surviving too, also is yeah, powerful. It, it does help to redeem because, her for sure, and and not. It's just showing that it's like you have to separate the sin from the sinner, buddy. No, but like, it, uh, but I, I just mean like it, it, it's, I don't think it's destigmatizing that, but it's concept, it's 
put adding a context to it that maybe a lot of Americans aren't necessarily thinking about when they're uh, putting on Netflix and the Jakey Jilly movie. I think and there's I kind a lot of respect of, that. There's a lot of heart in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Agreed. And that's reality. I, I mean, the access patient access to medication and yeah. all these other things that are human right. Like, let's face it, are, are they've failed everybody. And that includes you and me and everyone uh, we encounter on the street and like our, uh, our our unhoused communities and stuff all across the the country of the, across the world and stuff. So mm-hmm. like that is really powerful for him to include. And I totally forgot about that, uh, Terry. That's a good call. Like it's really it, for sure editorializing it, but it's also showcasing it in a way that maybe a different filmmaker would have done. And I, I, I think that's also kind of a rally cry. Uh, well, and and like that's I, why, that's why I think I the know. police commentary is a little like, I don't think it's as heavy because Fuqua doesn't have as much like kind of interest in talking about that. Whereas that one is, it's like, it's, it's cops, really raw and, and it cops isn't shoot folks in crisis all the time. Yeah. So what makes, you know, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. We were talking about saving face. So like we got off on this little tangent. Uh, I, I don't know who was after Paco. You, did you finish your saving face? I finished it enough. I Jason absorbed it, so I, I've <laughs> yeah. gone too. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, sorry, Paco. Jason, I'm, is that your saving face too? Yes, I'm just. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm okay. sucking up oxygen. Do it. Well, no, that's that's a good melding of like. Here's more reasons why uh, Kylie or uh, Riley Keo is fucking great in this role. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Terry? Uh just to just to go against the grain. Uh, I think I think Jakey G just because I've never really seen another movie where I thought he did like uh, where I thought he like really kind of showcased his his range. I know you weren't crazy about him, Paco, but I still think he did a good job in this movie. Mm. Have you uh, not seen Nightcrawler? No, you gotta see Nightcrawler. October well, Sky, completely different. Thing. October Sky. I mean, I I just he's normally an actor that I don't like seek out, and I need to watch more because this movie is like. Clearly, he's more talented than I anticipated, or that I knew. Rather, have you not seen Okja? Man, Donnie, you haven't seen my Donnie Darko tattoo, bro. Yeah, I've never seen Donnie Donnie Darko either. You're not listening to anything. Half the internet, half the internet just turned us off. I know, right? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I, I do want to shout out though. I, I, as a as a follow up, uh, Paul Dano, because I think that his performance is really ambiguous, and I, I think it. Like to kind of shift the characters uh, the way you're supposed to perceive them, and it's done mm-hmm. like kind of subtly. I think he he really does sell it as compared to some of the other uh, uh, vo- like voiceover performances. Not that they're like they're all good, but I I just I thought yeah. Paul Dano's was was fun. Dano is always. Exciting. I would agree with that, and yeah. I yeah. would Dano's say awesome. yeah, I if you that. haven't seen Southpaw, uh, that's uh, I need to. I haven't seen that, that or Bait. Those are the only few I haven't seen. I think that that other than Nightcrawler is Gyllenhaal's best performance. Like Interesting. that movie is flawed, but I think he's incredible in it. Um, okay, I'll keep that in mind. I, I I don't always watch sports movies, but I can make an exception for that. Oh, it's a great boxing, boxing movie. movie with heart. That's mm-hmm. what I care about. But doesn't feel like a uh, not to retread over a previous episode, but it's it doesn't feel like a typical boxing movie like oh i'm wanting an oscar it feels like a special okay. kind of movie all right cool back um, mountain he's great in too jesus he's great i, oh, love, I forgot about i that. love yeah, jakey yeah. g so, i did about you remember though? he was in that movie yeah i forgot about yeah that. right i was i was thinking just heath ledger <laughs> I, I do too yeah you guys what's with the gyllenhaal erasure over here <laughs> the fuck <laughs> we Prince find out he's, in, like, great one. he's actually been in Every oh yeah, Prince of Persia. Oh god, yeah. great! I love that um, franchise so much. Like I can't wait for the next one. Has he been a yeah. superhero yet? That feels like it's just. Oh, he's been happen, a super right? villain in a Spider-Man movie. Um, he oh yeah, Mysterio. he's Mysterio. Yeah, that's right. Oh god, damn Which it! Also I forgot pretty, about pretty that. Pretty funny, but it's it's kind of that movie. Well, so actually, dumb. he's still really good in it, but uh, it's kind of just like John Hall being like, "All right, this is a fun character. I'll just play." It's not like I don't have to bring mm-hmm. a whole lot to the table, like most Marvel movies, if not all. Yeah. God, Marvel sucks. Yeah, they do. I'd say my um, my saving face will, of course, be Jake Gyllenhaal. I just I was 
the whole way through. But I also want to give a special shout out to um, Peter Skarsgård or Sarsgård. I always get Skarsgård or Sarsgård because um, I just thought you know even in the 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 you know the minimal amount of like I wanted to say screen time, auditory time, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, he's phenomenal. He plays that character really, really well. And, yeah, and like, I could still hear Peter Sarsgaard. It's not like a Paul Dano thing where I was like, I totally did not know that was Paul Dano. Um, mm-hmm. But it's he he's pretty fucking phenomenal. And the way that he ends his last phone call with Jake Gyllenhaal is amazing. Where Gyllenhaal's kind of having to like back like backtrack a bit and be like, oh shit, yeah. I think I was wrong. Well, and he just, I think... yeah, just goes off. It's It's amazing. He's really good. He, like, you travel a lot with him, where you're going through, like, a whirlwind of things, like, whatever you know, you know with Gyllenhaal's character. Yeah. And so when he changes as the movie continues, that level yeah. of, like, texture and, like, humanity is really interesting. And it doesn't, again, like, a, like it doesn't feel like he just phoned it in. It really feels like he's taking the time to emote into this microphone, into this booth to like really flesh out that character that we never see in person. And I, yeah. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. I feel like this movie is also another good example. I feel like the, <laughs> the criticism that like voice actors have gotten throughout the years as not being technically actors has kind of like been like shoved to the wayside a bit these days. I feel Dude, like I'll, I'll go to, to war play, over like, that, over that discussion. Yeah. yeah, like some voice actors are way better than like any other actors. And I think this movie is another one of those to be like, hey, guess what? Like most of the actors in this fucking movie are doing voice roles and they're all amazing and convincing. And mm-hmm. you know what? They were in a fucking booth. Um, mm-hmm. So give it up to the art of actually having to, you know, uh, to read lines convincingly and make somebody f- have a visceral reaction to them just by not acting off They're anybody else. Acting exactly. off nothing. Listening it's, to them. it's performing off right off the bat. And they have to do this over and over and over. Maybe they didn't read it correctly, which you do, you know, in general anyway, with any movie, like as an actor, I imagine like how many takes you have to take, but it's still like, yeah, if, if you don't think voice actors are real actors, then try doing it yourself. Yeah. I, it's a different or skill set, try to make but a good it's project. A, it's a skill set. Nonetheless, uh, that is completely overlooked and you know most well, I feel film like, criticism yeah i also feel like though because like there have been plenty of movies that i've like animated movies that i've seen that have like a big name actor but their voice acting yeah. is fucking awful totally it's yep. like it's like i just mm-hmm. want to say like i i think it's part i've i think i've mentioned this before but like how's moving castle to me was an example of like well actually no i take it back i think christian bale was doing a good job in that because it's you know he's christian bale and it, it fits well for Howl, but there were still a lot of moments where I was like, "Ugh, like you're not." I'm even just saying the original dude. audio for Howl is considerably better. Yeah, the, the I Japanese would dub so. is. But I mean, that's well, as any, really well as different mm-hmm. mediums become popularized from like video games to uh, like Pixar movies, where they have yeah. animators also working in tandem with the performances. Like Mel Blanc is, could just be written off as like, "Oh, he's the voice of Bugs," but. That is really dismissing, like, he's every Looney Tune, but he's also, like, he's creating character from paper that is a living, breathing character that you know, and, like, all of these different types of things, like, go into a booth and talk in a different voice and emote and, like, really sell these things. uh, Or just just think about, like, Rob Williams and Aladdin, too. I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I I don't want to say that, like they can't be interchangeable like yes i there are some voice actors who aren't quite cut out for visual actual like being filmed on camera or stuff like that can't like they don't they can't quite what's it they they can't uh, branch that medium over there but like yeah that isn't to say that like anyway anyway. and kevin conroy should be batman in the next Mm, absolutely that would be dope to see him in a not that he's not 95 years old But he's the best hey, Batman, on, just uh, like Hamill's the best Joker. I yeah. refuse. Oh, I know. I will we, not we've had this conversation before. We have had this conversation. Welcome to the new podcast where it's just Terry and I yelling at Paco over how much better <laughs> the new podcast is the Joker. <laughs> Terry and you yelling at me sounds pretty familiar. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's true. Hey, I unambiguously it's really just continued abuse. It's continued. Yeah. You want us to do it. You oh, yeah. Sick. Uh, I don't. True. You're a bit of a sadist on that. I'd like to but poke you... the bear. <laughs> um. Hey, you poke the bear enough, you get. Uh, I don't know. Um, do you poke the bear in the woods? All right. Do I you, guess uh, uh, we're we're ready to wrap up. Any last I, thoughts? Yeah. I do want to. Super final thoughts. I do want to address the elephant in the room here that we haven't talked about. Um, other than the dead silence, uh, yeah. we're Damn, getting. We're getting spoiled between this and Michael Bay's upcoming ambulance with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I forgot he was You realize that. that, right? I forgot. When the hell is ambulance coming out? I think that's Soon-ish. January or February 2022. Yeah. So, it's like, coming soon. Let us down, bro. We, it's this, uh, this podcast is slowly turning into the, the, the Gyllenhaal gathering. The Gyllencast? Yeah, the Jillian. Yeah. Is this the which, third Jillian uh, Hall movie we've covered? The second? We've done Southpaw. Yeah, this might this might only be the second that I remember. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I like it. You know, I, I don't know if I will go back to see the Dan like I'm not jumping to go see the Danish one, which is nothing against that movie. I just like I think that it's uh, in this era, in this time that we're in, I, I kind of got a lot out of this movie that I really appreciated. And um, I think that it also focuses on Fuqua's uh, strengths as a filmmaker uh, and as like a one location movie, as opposed to like the equalizer, some of his like larger scope mm-hmm. movies. So I think this one's kind of rad. I, I totally recommend it. And shit, if you pay for Netflix anyway, uh shame on you no uh if you see this for hulu (laughs) watch the original instead uh if you're curious about it uh that's what i'll say Uh, i will say significant step up from infinite like yes not even oh yeah yeah. precisely infinite was a turd thank you for putting that stance out there it's straight to video that's true that is true yeah yeah uh yeah as always, thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe if you like what you hear. Uh, we will have some interesting news coming out in the next couple weeks. Uh, may have heard some hints about it already. Um, you can follow us on social media on Twitter at Auteurs Vulgar, on Instagram as Vulgar Auteurs, and we have a Gmail at vulgaratours at gmail.com right i always fuck that one up mm-hmm. instagram um, is a vulgar tours podcast but yeah. that yeah I, we're probably these are the hard pop up anyway yeah. <laughs> these are hard I, we are my auteurs vulgar yeah, yeah. we should okay. just record one thing and put it at the end of every episode a yes. lot of podcasts we should make a i have one up. and it's a little it's a little funky and it doesn't involve terry but you know it's we can try it next <laughs> all right it's okay uh, please rate review please uh it helps every little bit helps and uh if you like what you hear recommend us to your friends especially if they love prepubescent voices like myself <laughs> i know we uh we've mentioned what our next episode a couple time is and gotten it wrong because with new releases our calendar has been wild but next week will be up. the world's end which is a delightful film join us then won't you Uh, Paco, you should close every episode like that. That's like a Mr. Rogers, like, you'll join us, won't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's so inviting. That's literally so, like, I'm putting on my shawl, uh, you know, rubbing up against your feet already. You know? You know? <laughs>